0: In this episode, we are continuing with our second annual Sexual Violence Awareness Advocation, and today I will speak about experiencing sexual assault and sexual violence as a victim. Peace and blessings, everyone. This is Elegant Granny, your restoration strategist and creator and host of the Proactive Eye podcast. Last episode, the beginning of the second annual sexual violence awareness avocation began and I discussed the Instagram challenge I'm participating in hosted by the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. Now, I'm not the most creative person in the world, but I am having a great time putting posts together and engaging with other participants, finding out more about them and how they serve their population. If you would like to participate in the remainder of the challenge for a chance to win a 25 Etsy gift card, locate the National Sexual Violence Resource Center on Instagram. Their handle is at NSVRC. That's N as in Nelson, S as in Samantha, V as in Victor, R as in Robert, and C as in Charlie, NSVRC. You can also find the challenge listed on their website at www.nsvrc.org. I am not currently sponsored by the National Sexual Violence Resource Center, but I wanted to share some of the activities they are hosting. Not only are they hosting an Instagram challenge, there are so many free online events with wonderful resources to inform you about the different populations affected by sexual assault and sexual violence. I know from personal experience that showing up to these events support you in knowing how to reach out if you are in need of support or how to best support someone else victimized or have survived it. Now their information again is their Instagram handle is at nsvrc and their website is www.nsvrc.org. I will also provide the links for you in the show notes and also on the blog. Now I'm going to repeat myself from last week by saying sexual assault and sexual violence are important to talk about. Many feel ashamed of what has happened to them or have been threatened of what will happen to them if they tell their story. No one, and I do mean absolutely no one, should ever feel like they are worthless, have no value, or not important because of this traumatic event, nor should they feel they are voiceless and not able to share their story. It doesn't matter what gender, age, race, nationality, sexual orientation, or creed, no one deserves to be treated with this form or any form of abuse. If you missed last week's episode, the link will be in the show notes and on the blog. This episode today will be about the victim's experience with sexual violence and sexual assault. According to the Rain website, and Rain is an acronym for Rape, Abuse, and Incest National Network, according to them, every 73 seconds, an American is sexually assaulted, and every nine minutes, that victim is a child. From 2009 to 2013, Child Protective Services Agencies substantiated or found strong evidence to indicate that 63,000 children a year were victims of sexual abuse. A majority of child victims are 12 to 17. Of victims under the age of 18, 34% of victims of sexual assault and rape are under age 12 and 66% of victims of sexual assault and rape are age 12 to 17. Meanwhile, only five out of every 1,000 perps will end up in prison. Every day, hundreds of Americans are affected by sexual violence. These are different ways we are all affected by these harmful acts. Either we are victims, we are survivors of those acts, we know someone personally, or have heard of someone in our vicinity that these acts have been performed on. All these ways affect me, which is why it is included as a topic of discussion on this platform. Rain has a list of answers to a question on their site and that question is, what was the survivor doing when the crime occurred? There are several listed, but I'm only going to discuss three of them with personal experiences as they relate to this topic. My first memory is a perpetrator had came into my neighborhood when I was a child. And I believe I was in junior high at this time. I think I had just started the sixth grade and my sister's they were still in elementary school. My mother had sent us to the grocery store for a few things so she can get dinner started. Previously, there had been rumors and actual evidence of men, grown men coming into our neighborhood and capturing little girls and little boys and taking them off somewhere and sexually assaulting or sexually abusing them in some way or form. And this particular time, a known one had approached my sisters and I as we were walking to the store. So as we got close to the corner, I said to my younger sisters, when we get to this corner, as soon as we get there, we're going to run straight up the street to Cousin David's house. At this particular time, our cousin on my father's side was living up the street with his wife and children. And as soon as we got to the corner, I said, Go now. So the sister who's after me. She was the quickest runner. So she ran up and I stayed back to help the younger one because she had problems with her ankles and I did, I was not about to leave her behind. So I helped her and I told the other one, when you get around that corner, you keep going, don't look back, get to the house and bang on the door, start yelling. So by the time that my other sister and I got to the house, my cousin David was already on the porch and said where is he now? And I told him that he went further up the street that we were traveling on instead of coming up behind us. So he went out and he looked for him after telling us to go inside the house with his wife. Once we got inside, um she got us to call our mom and we told mom, our mom what happened and um, she was upset and we told her that Cousin David was out looking for him. He came back in the house while we were still on the phone with mom and he got on the phone with her. and. He told her that he was going to take us to the store and bring us home, that she didn't have to worry about them, that they were safe and we didn't look harm. He hadn't touched us according to what we had told him and that he would bring us home. So that's what happened. And so after that, um, they called the police once he got us to home and um, we re- filed a report. Now, I'm not sure what the police did on their end, but I know what my mother did on her end. If you have a mother like my mother, she was about to do something. And I want to insert here that Rain says 29% of the victims when this when this crime happened, were traveling to and from work or school or traveling to shop or run errands. And we were running an errand for our mother so she can get dinner started. Now, my mother, once she found out who this person really was, because at first we were afraid to tell her who it was because he was one of the gentlemen at a local store in our neighborhood. And everyone in the neighborhood knew who he was so we finally told her who it was she got really upset she said i'll be right back by this time cousin david was already gone because if he was still there i'm pretty sure he would have went himself she marched right up there without us made us stay home i have no idea what she told him But the next time my sisters and I went to the store, he was totally different with us. He did not hold a conversation or anything. We spoke as we normally did because that's how we were raised. You always speak to people as you approach them. But we noticed he just said, hello ladies, how you doing? Normally he has a full blown conversation. That did not happen. So we got what, we were supposed to get. We went to the counter. Paid for what we had. And we went home. When we got home. Mama asked. How was things at the store. And we told her. Everything that happened. So she decided. That we. She wanted something else from the store. And so she took us. With her. And. She, When we got there, she went straight to the counter instead of us going to where what we were going for. She said, you see these three girls? These are mine. These are the ones who ran away from you. Now, if you ever come and approach them ever again, there's going to be a a serious situation going on. And he said, yes, ma'am. And that was the end of that. So we got our things. We got some more things. And then we left. After that, we never saw that man ever again. He never bothered us again, but I'm not sure if he quit and left or what happened. All I know is we never saw him at that store ever again. That was first, my first memory. My second memory is, and I'm going to start with this stat from Rain as another answer to their question, what was the survivor doing when the crime occurred? I had an assault in high school, the rain says 7% were attending school. I had an assault in high school. I was already affected by a traumatic experience previous to this assault. And what happened was I had experienced child abuse at this point. And my grandfather was picking me up from school because I was still struggling with um, my mental health at that time because of the event. And the nurse thought fit for my grandfather to come pick me up and take me home so I can get some help. So while waiting for my grandfather This guy, and he was handsome, he was much older than me. The event, the child abuse event happened, I believe I was in the 10th grade. This fella was in the 12th. And he approached me, said, hello, how you doing? And I said, fine, and kept looking out the window, waiting for my grandfather. The next thing I know, because we were the only two people in the foyer, He came up to me, grabbed me, and started groping me, and I fought him off. Next thing I know, one of the staff came by, and he took off and left. He asked me, was I okay? I said, yes. And I waited for my grandfather again. He asked me, was I sure I was okay? And I said, yeah, because I didn't know what to do. And at that time, This was a staff member that I wasn't familiar with, with, but I knew they were a staff member of the school. So I didn't feel comfortable talking to them. That's one of the things victims go through. If they're not comfortable talking to you, they're not going to tell their story. They're not going to reach out for help if they don't feel comfortable. And so my grandfather came and he picked me up. Once we got home, my grandfather sensed that something else was going on other than my experiences from the child abuse that I experienced. My grandfather was my everything. And when I say my everything, I mean my every thing. We talked about everything. There was no subject untouched. So When he asked, and I only told him because he asked, I told him what happened and he was very upset. He asked me, did I remember, did I know who this guy was? And I told him, I don't know who he is or what his name is, but I remember seeing him around the school. He is a student. So we went back to the school and made a report my grandfather was not playing with that. My grandfather actually wanted to meet the young man. Of course, the school wouldn't allow that. Um, So because I did not know what his name was, they pulled out a yearbook and I identified him by that. And so the school handled it. Next thing I know, I didn't see him for a little while. And then he came back. When he did come back, He approached me again, but he apologized when he did come back, he did apologize. And the school asked me after a while, had he bothered me anymore? And I said, no, but the next time he did approach me, he did apologize and he said he would never do it again. And he didn't, not to me at least. And I hope he kept his word by not not doing it to anyone else. Now, the last stat I would like to talk about is Rain says that when this crime occurred to a survivor, 12% were working. Now, I had a situation on my job, on a previous job, where I was working in healthcare and it was on third shift, and I was working with a male nurse. We've never had any problems. We've always kept our um, relationship professional. Everything was always professional because on third shift, you work with much less people and you have more patients to take care of than you have staff to really tend to them as you would on first and second shift. Anyway, near the end of the shift, I was preparing a snack for a patient who gets up extra early, and the time that she gets up, it would have been three or four hours before it was time for breakfast. So to keep her comfortable, I was preparing a small snack for her. As I was doing that, this male nurse comes up behind me, puts his hands on me, and it was very unwanted. I did not ask for it. We had never been in this situation before. And then he walks off and I told him, I said, I don't know what made you comfortable with that, but that better not ever happen again. This time I spoke out the first two times I was underage. I was a child and I was afraid to speak out because I did not understand a lot of things. This time I was an adult. I spoke out. But not only did I speak out, I reported it and I said something. Now, this person still had that job. And to my knowledge, they are still working as a nurse, but it was reported. And I also reported it to the sexual assault response program in my area. So it's been reported quite a few times. It's been reported. I am a very fortunate woman. I have experienced several attempts and acts of several assaults and have worked through healing from them all, just as plenty of other people have. I am in a very light place today thanks to my support network. If you are someone being victimized sexually or have survived through it, It is very vital that you start the process of healing through building your support network. You didn't choose to be committed with those crimes or have those crimes against you, committed on you rather. Nor did you have a say in what's going to happen and who was going to do it. But you do have a choice in who will be in your network to support you as as you heal. So be sure to seek professional help so you can recover successfully. I have a list of resources provided for you in the show notes and also on the blog you can contact for help. Now, before I leave, I need to tell you something important. You are a great asset in this world. You are and you need to believe that. It is very especially important after a life of any form of abuse to see a physician and a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. My mom took me to be seen by a psychotherapist to help me heal as a child. And she also spoke with me herself. She was a rape companion and she talked to me. So please be sure that you see a mental health specialist to help you excel as you recover. It helped me a lot. Let a granny know in the voice message feature or by email at proactivei@gmail.com at gmail.com some things you do to help you recover. I would love to hear your story and get your perspective on why those things are valuable to you. It has been a pleasure sharing with you today. All links to connect with me and free resources are in the show notes. Feel free to download episodes and take advantage of the free resources provided. You can visit the proactive. I blog at bit.ly forward slash PE podcast blog. That's bitly forward slash PE podcast blog. You can also connect with Proactive Eye on Instagram and Twitter. The handle is at Proactive Eye and also on Facebook. The handle is at Proactive Eye Podcast. This has been your host, Elegant Granny. Thank you for your support and visit again. And remember, healing is a continuous process, not a one-shot deal. Much love, peace, light, and healing vibes, family.